When I was young, I learned that love was all about romantic comedies, Valentine's Day, chocolate, and flowers. A lot of capitalist heterosexual BS. Now I know that real love is ferocious, it's terrifying, and it's a catalyst for change. I'm Ethan Lipsitz, and I created Love Extremist Radio as a platform to engage with people who are on the front lines of wrestling with and redefining love on their terms. They're activists, artists, and creators, all making change in their communities and the world. Thanks for being here. Together, let's define what it means to be a love extremist. Love is the truth. Love is the truth. Love is the truth. Love is the truth. Rob Smith, the CEO and founder of The Fluid Project and Get Fluid, has created a brand combining his profession, which is retail, along with his passion, a commitment to social justice. After a long retail career spanning over 30 years orchestrating multi-billion dollar businesses, Rob leads and manages The Fluid Project, a leader in gender-free fashion, joining a global movement of freedom, authenticity, and self-expression, leading with values, a powerful community, and a fearlessness to challenge the status quo. Fluid thoughtfully expands into new spaces where they can offer insight, education, and impact. Most recently, Rob launched Get Fluid, gender expansive training for corporations. Rob lives in New York City with his husband, Rod, and his dog, Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, so, big, the big boss. Yeah, right. Exactly. We all, our dogs are really in charge during this pandemic. You know, it's like we're home, they're with us, and uh, they're in charge. It feels we just that live way. to make them happy and comfortable. Exactly, yes. exactly. <laughs> as, as we start to go back to offices or some other place, I, I wonder how they're going to fend uh but we shall see um so rob i'm so excited to be having this conversation with you and i know you're somewhat familiar with the podcast and the work that i do and the love extremist movement but the first question that i really think is a very important one to bring into the space is how you define love can you can you answer that what's your definition uh it's it's such a great question. I listen to your I listen to the podcast and and I listen to you and I think about love and love uh, almost doesn't have words to me. Like I guess it doesn't. It's hard to articulate to me. It's more of a feeling than it is uh, a language. And love is um, yeah, just something that settles into my heart and I recognize it when I feel it. Are there particular actions that get you there or, or practices that make you feel it? Um, I think humanity. Humanity makes me feel it. Like the, the act of sometimes really small acts, sometimes uh, uh, unspoken word, sometimes, um, uh, yeah, just uh, um, acts, mostly acts and, and courage and, and acts of humanity make me feel it. Yeah. Have you noticed your sensitivity to that or your awareness of that wax and wane? It does. It depends how clear headed I am. Um, you know, sometimes I can be so consumed in my own head. The idea of love doesn't even, can't even exist. I'm just, I'm so self-absorbed. And when I step away from myself, I'm much more um, capable of, of feeling the sensation of love. Mm. So it generally exists outside yourself or in relation to humanity. It's, it's not something that you find that cultivates solely within. Uh, I think it takes work to, well, there's self-love and that takes time and energy and, and work to actually love yourself. Yeah. And, and that's, I've been doing a lot, a lot of work on that. Um, and I think once you love yourself, you're, you're much more capable of loving another human being or, or the planet or, uh, um, uh, anything, anything, you know, a stranger. Yeah. Yeah. Can you speak a little bit to the work you've been doing around self-love? Sure. Um, I'll be honest. Um, I've been, I've started, uh, you know, a, a, a kind of a journey of self-discovery through, uh, plants and, uh, my first, you know, been doing therapy and working on that <clears throat> and, 
certainly battling um, types of addictions throughout my life. And I ended up uh, in, you know, quitting my job and traveling around the world. And my first stop was in Central America and then South America. And I did about a month of uh, ayahuasca ceremonies, a month long of ayahuasca, hmm. really doing a lot of the hard work in that process. And then um, I started, I uh, went to India, Nepal and Tibet studying Hinduism and Buddhism. And, and then I've been continuing to do plant-based work um, about every quarter. I do journey work and try working with Bufo and, and other plants. So that's about a lot of the tearing apart my ego and tearing down my ego and really allowing me to love myself more and, and respect myself more. Wow. Where in Central America did you begin that practice? I started in Guatemala, um, but then the, uh, in Peru is where I did uh, ayahuasca. Yeah. Was that and, with the Shipibo yeah. community or another group? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah, so for those of you who are considering, um, the Shipibo are very much one of the holders of the tradition of ayahuasca. Um, and you go to Peru and you can experience it from people who, uh, I would say, are you know living, have been living with the plant for generations. Um, and so they have brought it to many Westerners um, or Westerners have gone to them. Um, that's, that's amazing. I, I think there's... so. Yeah. So I think I, I think that's you know I think that's not the only way that I've been doing it, but it's in in my life right now in my mid fifties. It's really where I'm finding the the deep 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 work around self love and also just um, you know there's parts where you just love everyone and everyone on the planet and everyone in the universe and the love becomes so expansive through this work. You realize um, love is you know, love is so magnificent and expansive and it's, it's bigger than any one of us could ever describe in those, in those exercises and experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's overwhelming. It becomes like everything. It kind of feels like the air we breathe in, in some ways. Yes. Yes. Mm. Yeah, uh, were there, sure. were there turning points for you? where like it became clear you needed to focus within and, and, and make these shifts. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I, I ended up, um, becoming sober for a year because I was battling, uh, addiction issues of all types of addiction issues and numbing myself. And, uh, and I started, I ended up, um, at a, you know, spiritual place, just kind of, by accident and they did a lot of healing work on me. And, um, I just decided it's, you know, go sober straight for a year and, and recondition myself and started to love myself again. And then once that began, that began a whole process of, you know, that I went to Burning Man and I, I quit my job and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I went through before. Yeah. yeah. It's it been an exciting, it's been an, an incredible time to reinvent myself. Uh, with love and purpose and intention being the center point of who I am and, and how I exist, why I exist. Yeah. I want to dig in on that because the way that I, I think like the way that we show up in the world is so often um, one way and can be perceived as something, but then how we love and the way that we find purpose can be a whole nother thing. And you went, when we first met, I, I, I didn't ex expect you to be doing what you were doing. I, I haven't met many cis white gay men who are so engaged on the front lines of um, not only like LGBTQIA plus rights, but specifically advocating for the trans community. How did you come to this work? Uh, such a great question. I, uh, there's no specific moment. I, I did sit on the board of directors and served uh, for the Hetrick Martin Institute, which is the oldest LGBTQ after school uh, program, started in New York City for 40 years ago and served on the board and, and worked, but mostly in a fundraising capacity, not necessarily with youth. But mm -hmm. I gotta, I gotta say it, it was there was a there was a moment in, in ayahuasca when I said to the plant, 
with the intention, like what I do with my life and wrote down, consider opening a gender-free non-binary shopping environment. <laughs> I wrote fluid in quotation marks. On April 14, 2017, I opened up that store 10 months later, you know, and I realized that like I was beginning to embark on a, on a journey and I thought I was pretty cool. Like I knew I was, I was talking about it and who I was. And then I hired a coach and a coach came back and taught me about gender and gender language. And, and I ended up spending 10 hours with this coach and learning. And then, you know, like the store was created, you know, for non-binary transgender folks. Uh, certainly it was for everybody, you know, because it's a gender free shopping experience, but I sat there for two years, I would be in the store almost every day. And it was like a big focus group, you know, just would listen and learn and absorb. And I understood my, my, you know, cis white male, able-bodied, you know, mm -hmm. middle-aged presence. And then just kind of stood in the, in the shadows in the background and listened and learned to build trust. And, and, and I, and I you know, realized that I call it the, the silent T for so long that it's been, you know, really it's no one has supported this community in our communities. And I just, um, yeah, became so impassioned that, um, it's, it's been, I, I, it's, it's, it's a, it's a love and passion that I feel so purposeful right now and how to take, you know, certainly what was challenging for me 30 years ago, coming out, uh, as a gay man, and now really using that same like uh, lessons that I learned and, and, and uh, using that to advance folks uh, of different gender identities. Wow. How did you know, when, when was the first feeling you felt like, oh, this is working? Like folks are coming in and we're building a community here. When, when folks would start showing up for the events. We had about 250 events and little by little people started like hearing about them and showing up. Nice. And then I, I think there was uh, two moments. I remember one, there was, um, there were uh, two fathers with their two kids. And I walked up and I said, you know, Hey, my name's Rob. I'm, you know, my pronouns are he, him, I'm the founder. And, and, uh, they're two friends and their kids are best friends. And, one's uh son was named ryan and one child's name was i forget and their pronouns were they them and i thought and i went and got pronoun pins i gave them to them and i thought how cool that two dads were bringing their two children to this space that came from philadelphia and i was like wow mm. like it's resonating people are starting to hear about this and and shortly after that, uh, I saw a mother there and she walked up and said hi and you know introduced myself or i just said hi and she said yeah I bring my daughter, my child, sorry, my child here all the time. And, um, this is like the best place in the world. And, and she, and she said, every time I come here, I cry. And I said, well, I'm so excited to hear that I'm the founder. And she just fell into my arms and started bawling and said, thank you for what you've done. You've given my child a validation, uh, for existing. And for the first time, really somebody said, people see them for who they are. Oh. So yeah, those little moments just keep me going, you know. Talk about humanity. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That that's really really amazing. I relate in a in a micro way and just when I was running a clothing brand, I'd run into people on the street who were wearing the products and it was all about self-expression and so it was so exciting and gratifying to see people engaging and 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 taking it beyond me and and doing it because they loved it and they identified with it and for you it was it, it's so much deeper than that it's not just about a product it's about a space it's about creating safe space and i guess affirming affirming space affirming space yeah, yeah. Uh, yes how did yeah. you approach that like again recognizing your positionality how do you do it did you have to kind of bring others in to, to, to do it with you or yeah. How did, how did you build that? I mean, I hate, this sounds, really, uh, I don't want to sound narcissistic. I did it myself. I mm -hmm. had no investors. I had no partners. I hired some really good people, like young people to work with me who, you know, educated me a lot. Um, but it was a self-started business built on a dream. And a, and a lot of naysayers, a lot of people who thought I was ridiculous for opening up this like idea, this store. And, and I don't know, I, be, I believe that uh, if you 
build a business and the foundation is values and the foundation is inclusion and representation and acceptance and love that you could build a business off of that foundation. And I, and I could be crazy, but I, but I believe that. And, and I believe in accountability and, and transparency and I make decisions because I believe someday some kid's going to walk up and say, why'd you do this? And I'm going to have a great answer for them. <laughs> and those answers are going to, they're harder decisions to make, but I, I always want to make the right decision and do the right thing. And I believe that the business, that's, that's what this business is founded on. And I believe that some ways there's type of conscious capitalism that, that will reward me and all of the folks that work with me, uh, that this is the right thing to do. Yeah. I mean, I, I wanted to get into that because, you know, your history is one of creating multi-billion dollar businesses and value in the retail space. And you're doing that now again, how do you kind of hold what is traditionally considered kind of capitalism and, and perhaps, you know, some degree of exploitation with social justice and human rights and love? How do you kind of carry those two um, poles and, and, and bring them together or, or, or eradicate the exploitation side? Yeah, it's, it's such a delicate balance, right? I mean, uh, we've got a product in 5,000 stores right now with the Fluid Project name brand on it. And, and there's, a, you know, there's, you know, the best selling products right now are how to do it, the transgender um, community, like trans, trans uh, rights are human rights, protect trans kids, mm-hmm. protect trans women. Like these are the best selling styles, both at Fluid and, and throughout from Target to Hot Topic and and I think that it just, we're tapping into with authenticity, uh, the, the, the concern around the attack on the transgender community. So that's just, um, part of what we're selling, but we tap into, you know, so much of what we do is it's about certainly about community and education and humanity, but it's also about, um, about activism. And this is our way to be activists. One of our ways to be activists is to, uh, activate through messaging and, and clothing. So through that response, one could say, okay, you know, being socially just and, and, and involved is on trend, <laughs> but how do you keep this from being just a trend? Like how do you, how, how are you thinking about this in long term? And I know, I know you have a great answer for this, but I'd love for everyone to hear it. Well, it's just going to continue to grow and to evolve and, and to hold on to the values and, and not to get too big, too fast. Um, and I just navigate and people ask me what my, what my plan is. And my, it's my plan is to have fluid be a brand name that is stands for like the good keeping, good housekeeping seal of approval that if fluids mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. it's got a stamp of like authenticity. And I have to say no, as much as I say yes to do business with people, because sometimes people just want to exploit our, the work we do uh, for their own benefit. And I, and I have to say no and hold people like accountable to, to do work before they begin to exploit us, but willing to work on education with anyone uh, wherever they start. And if they're willing to do the work, but you know, I have to be really thoughtful about where the fluid brand shows up and how it shows up. Yeah. So it does not exploit. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking like that education component is so integral in the business and in making this a long-term play, right? Like you're actually going into the inner workings of companies and corporations and supporting them and educating them in how to embrace fluidity, really. Yeah, it's, it's kind of brilliant. So yeah, before I'm working with a, a, a couple of very large retailers and some of them I'm saying, yes, we can do something, but the first thing we have to do is start with education. Mm-hmm. That we can't just, you know, start creating clothing until we start educating and the education starts, starts internally and then creating something that's external, which is pr- product and also marketing. So the last thing I ever want to do is just start marketing, you know, products and, and without there being an internal uh, sense of intention uh, and purpose. Yeah, I really relate to that in, in the context of love extremism. It's like need to normalize these conversations and and help people understand love beyond our intimates 
so that we can start to maybe wear those things or, or project those things out into the public in a, in a different way. Um, but the education is so core. Are there, are there certain themes that are coming up that you really want people to understand when it comes to just fluidity in general, but just kind of breaking down the binary and um, kind of this, the, the paradigm of today? <laughs> I, I think I'll, and I'll reveal the ultimate plan. Um, and this is like my, my master plan is that the, yes. the binary constructs that have been passed down to us, you know, specifically around gender, but also around race and religion and politics. That these are binary constructs that we, you know, go into certain boxes mm -hmm. and we're given a belief system that this is the way you are, this is the way you act, this is what you're allowed to do. And they're incredibly um, destructive uh, towards a person's growth and potential. Mm -hmm. So what I want to do is deconstruct this idea of what it is to be a boy or girl or male or female. And once these constructs are broken down and the fluid is the space between that we are able to be curious and playful and start to lean in into the space in between and find out who we really are. And it's, it's, but by it's deconstructing this idea of what it is to be a boy, what it is to be a girl. Uh, it's, and that's where we all benefit and we all win. And this social expectation of how we're supposed to behave or play or dress is create some, um, yeah, just, we don't get to be our full human self. Yeah. With it, these uh, it, constructs. Yeah. It really, it really feels like abundance. <laughs> you know, there's an abundance of options rather than just a narrow A or B type situation. And it, it's crazy. I, I remember talking to Kyle Sawyer um, from Active Allies years ago and literally just my brain being broken because I realized my entire life was based on a binary. Yes or no, right or wrong, black or white, left or right. And, and just the, the systems of education, the systems of um, politics, of just every institution seemed to have this kind of grading system that was very delineated. And to embrace fluidity, to embrace the spectrum, uh, and to recognize that everything is on a spectrum is so... It just like expands your your world. It's it's brain breaking, but it's also really exciting. And, <laughs> it, yeah. it is, and when you allow yourself to realize that everything, your entire life has been built on a binary construct, and to break free from it takes work and exercise, and yeah. you know we're unlearning and relearning constantly. But if you can allow yourself as as an adult to continue to unlearn and relearn. You know, it really is uh, deeply, deeply gratifying and, and finding your your whole self in that process. I, I absolutely love it. Yeah. So tell us about your process. Like you're in your 50s. What are you learning about gender within yourself? How are you experimenting or, or exploring? I'm, I'm yeah, I'm exploring with uh, expression. You know, I think uh, I, you know, paint my nails. Um, and I never like would do that before, but, um, you know, wear skirts to events. I'll, you know, just, it's fun to try different things, uh, makeup, um, you know, things mm -hmm. that are considered female. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, as a gay man, we're already given permission, I think, to be extra sensitive. So I think I've already advanced that, that part of my life, uh, early on through, through just, I guess, by being queer and, knowing that you're already different and you know allowed to be a little bit more um and i think the interesting thing is you know i'm in a i'm in a, a married relationship but also you know the idea that i could have you know in a in a in a relationship uh intimacy with with a woman you know there's that type of thing that you know we, we when when you're young you're either gay or straight there's not much room for anything else you you know it's it's like you pick a side mm -hmm. and I think that there's an interest to like understand that. No, that like it's curiosity, like around, you know, being pansexual, which includes, you know, folks of trans experience as well. So yeah, I, I just, I'm, I'm opened up to all of that now. And with exposure to people, I find myself, you know, much more flirtatious, um, and with, with folks, uh, uh, both who are, you know, 
trans experience and also um, female folks. Yeah, that's a really yeah. So it's so it's it's yeah. It's been interesting. It, it sounds kind of very liberating in in, in many ways. I, I also I want to reintroduce you, and then I've I've kind of a, another direction to take us. But I'm speaking to Rob Smith, founder of the Fluid Project and Get Fluid. Um, Rob is an incredible human being and is a a fierce advocate for LGBTQIA plus rights and trans rights and is working in that space, uh, building a brand and an education platform and a foundation and doing so much work. Uh, so definitely click on his profile and follow him. He's also going to be bringing some great things to Clubhouse in the coming months. So, um, yeah, that, that's yeah, actually I have, I, have, I have a great, I have a great, uh, uh, the fluid project has a Clubhouse station. If anybody's interested in following it and tomorrow for, I have, a uh, a, a mother and a daughter, um, and they are fierce. They, they're part of a organization called gender cool and gender cool is like basically putting names and faces around the transgender community as opposed to policy and thinking that, you know, if you, if you meet a person, you're going to have a much different opinion about, you know, just like, you know, gay, gay, gay folks, you know, gay and lesbian men and women wasn't until your office worker like stood up and said, oh, I'm, you know, but they were gay, people's opinions started changing. So we have to meet folks who are of trans experience, understand their human stories and humanize them. And once you humanize folks, you know, your opinions start to change. Well, and that brings me to what I've been thinking about in this conversation, which is how do you approach the institutions with which you work? How do you get into a corporate setting or you know the retail industry and bring your sensitivity, bring your fluidity, bring your honest, true self and not feel like you kind of have to operate in the traditional professional you know, space of, of being a little bit rigid and not maybe your full expression? Um, well, you know, I, I perform, uh, in those situations as a straight passing white, you know, you know, classic looking person, um, to, to have introductions and to set up meetings and perform in a corporate setting, which a lot of people don't have the ability to do that or don't have the experience. But then I use myself as the Trojan horse, I call myself like mm -hmm. to push myself in. And then I've got entire crew of folks of trans experience who are, you know, the intersection of, of race and gender and, and really come in with their full power to impact change and doing it through their personal stories and through education. And once you understand and meet them, these words that seem hard to understand become human beings and become their life's experience. So I use my, uh, my position of power and influence to uh, open up the doors and let the team do the work. Wow. Feels super empowering. Do you ever feel like you can let that guard down or like you can kind of step into, um, you know, yourself outside of that kind of professional straight passing white guy in, in the corporate world? Or do you feel like it's still really important to hold that so as to open the doors for others? Yeah, I think I think it's I have to be super performative in that in that role to um, to get people's attentions at a certain level. I think as you go deeper or lower into a organizations like hierarchy mm -hmm. and there's younger people, I'm much more comfortable. But when it comes to dealing with the C-suite and senior executives, uh, yeah, it's a very performative place for me. How long um, do you think? And I don't act that out. Way. Yeah. <laughs> How long? I think that as long as I'm doing this, it'll be that way. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I think it'll be that way as long as as long as I'm functioning in this role. Do you see changes afloat, or does it is it slow going and still feel like we're very early days? It's really, you know, listen. It's um, I would say is I know they don't like to be called Gen Z, but Gen Z you know, moves into the workforce and imagine the next five years of young millennials and, and Gen Zers starting to really demand change. And um, it's there's there will be a shift internally in the next five years mm -hmm. that will start to hold senior management accountable. You know, the, oh, there'll be high turnover. 
Um, but they're going to really, you know, if senior management will listen, really start to force change from within. Uh, they, the, they're, they're demanding and they should be demanding when it comes to the environment, when it comes to human rights issues, when it comes to, and, and not making things political because it's not politics. You can't, human rights is not politics. You know, the mm -hmm. planet is not politics. Totally. It's just the right thing to do. Yeah. So what are some of the challenging conversations or the challenging uh, issues that you're facing when you're going into a, a corporate setting and, and working on kind of education and, and change? Uh, the, I mean, first of all, you mentioned before, the whole world is set up binary in a binary way. So if I'm going to talk to a retailer, there's the men's buyer, women's buyer with the men's floor, women's floor, the men's navigation, women's navigation. So it's always a challenge to figure out how to navigate that. Mm -hmm. um, and if I go into a corporation, it's convincing folks that this is uh, an important issue for them to address. You know, uh, we just are coming off of a lot of focus around race and we needed to. And this feels like a next logical place for people to put some energy because it's relatively new for a lot of folks. Uh, some people see it as important. Others don't. Um, you know, they see it as a super niche, almost inconvenient thing uh, to have to deal with people's pronouns and gender identity. And I think that they've got a, a big awakening as college kids go into the workforce because they start off class like with their pronouns, their teachers begin with pronouns. And, and, I, and I think they're starting to use pronouns, but they don't necessarily know why. And it's really wonderful to be able to educate them on the why and for who uh, they're, they're dealing with. But um, yeah, I, I think that the, sometimes the, the, biggest, the biggest groups for me to get past are the pride groups, employee resource groups, hmm. because they're largely uh, comprised of gay men lesbian women who are cisgendered and don't have any idea about gender identity have just grown up and have, you know, kind of come through their own challenges and struggles to advance in corporations over the years. And now we're largely normalized, but don't have an understanding. Most of the people who understand what I'm talking about have young children in their lives, you know, children from the ages of like say five to 20. And they're the ones to say, he knows exactly what he's talking about. We need to listen to this person. Wow. Because this is how young. Yeah. And, and so I would say, like, don't introduce me to the, the pride group. Introduce me to the new moms because they're <laughs> going to be my they're going to be my biggest advocates. So do you get pushback from the pride groups or, or is that ever become an I issue? Do. Yeah, I do. And some of them just don't see the importance of it. And sometimes and I often get you know pushed off to them. And some of some of them are, you know, not my, my not the supporters. They. They're not like, you know, you said, like, here I am, this cisgendered, you know, gay man who's fighting on behalf of transgender folks and non-binary folks. It's not it's pretty rare that there are folks of my age um, and my identity fighting on behalf of this younger generation. Right. And 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 yet. And yeah. And that is like younger, too. They're, they're all ages. Yeah. Crucial. Right. And so the all those letters that you use, <laughs> you know, they're. They're very different, although we're all put together under one community. Um, there's not necessarily a support system in this group of letters. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite. Like the, 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 the difference between a white cisgendered man and a black trans female is is about as polar as you get. Um, and yet, um, I don't know, I feel an incredible sense of accountability and responsibility to make sure that every one of us has an opportunity to be successful. Mm. Have you had to educate yourself in the full spectrum of um, kind of oppression and and social justice and diversity and inclusion and doing this educational work? And so that, you know, there's kind of solidarity across the systems and there's intersectionality. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I had hope Giselle, who was, who was working with me and running the, um, the education platform and she's a, a black female of trans experience and and she asked me she was like grilling me on the first clubhouse talk she's like i don't even know this how many folks are on the uh, uh on the payroll are trans and i had to think about it and other than interns we're 75 percent transgender uh employees on our company i'm the only cisgendered white guy on the team mm. and uh, and, and so it's been intentional hiring so I can, so I can, 
be held accountable and learn and grow and let the young people do what needs to be done to make this brand what it is. I'm, I'm just basically the, the steward or the captain or the orchestra leader and everyone does the work and makes the brand what it is. Yeah. Have you, have you had an evolution in how you view hierarchy and power in building this brand? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I often find myself like automatically taking space, answering questions first, you know, filling, filling a room like, and using this, this power. And I, and I have to reel it back sometimes and just sit back quietly and not speak. Just let, you know, and I, even when we had a conference table, I would never sit at the head of the table. <laughs> it always felt like that was like, okay, you're the boss. You're the, you're the big white guy. You sit and you sit in the head chair. And I would literally sit in the middle intentionally to never take that seat to try to like really, um, hold my, my, um, my, my white male, like privileged space that I can so easily step in and consume if I'm not cautious and aware of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, as your friend, like you are archetypal, like you have this kind of like Greek God Adonis situation going on and, <laughs> you know, you very much hold, you know, a huge amount of space in your just energy and your spirit and your charisma. And it's really inspiring and exciting. And it must be hard to have to um, regulate that or, or, or to, know, to, to learn how to regulate that. Um, but so key in, in stepping into a space of empowerment. Um, were, there, were there examples or experiences that kind of made that very clear that you needed to shift your approach? Um, you know, uh, nothing that anyone has said to me but I got enough eyeballs that, that I could read people's faces to know that it's time for me to shut up. You know, it's time for me to step aside and let other folks lead the conversation, not me. Mm. Um, it's, I think it's just becoming more and more self-aware and, and really understanding the things that I was supposed to do before the way I was supposed to act before in corporate America and be the person I was supposed to be. Um, I'm learning myself, unlearning now how to behave and to act in spaces and not just not just take up a whole room um, because people don't get opportunities to to share. And sometimes those quietest voices are not sometimes most often those voices are the most important voices to hear. Mm. Who are the leaders or the teachers that you're learning from now? Are there people, individuals that, that you're really getting a lot of value in studying? Uh, my whole team is super, super engaging and interesting. Uh, all, almost all of them are in their 20s and, and early 30s. Uh, Hope, I mentioned, is incredibly um, educational and, and interesting. And and I, I can sit back in a training session and not say anything and continue to learn and grow as I as I um, listen to them speak. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so other, you know, one per I say the collective, you know, and all of the folks that are part of the fluid community. And, and I'm so excited to start reengaging again next month um, during Pride to have events and to be with the community again. Yeah, it's so yeah. awesome to yeah. have a community that you're you're learning from and you're so proud of and like, growing with. I, I I'm curious what you know. You mentioned obviously um, you know the the binary in relation to retail or you know pronouns or inclusive bathrooms things like this. What do you think is kind of the future of inclusion? What, what is it looking like um, beyond these early interventions? Mm, that's such a great question. You know, because we're going to keep going forward. I think it, we're going to, you know, 10 years from now, we're going to look back and we're going to go, whoa, we missed this whole group of people. You know, we miss folks with uh, disabilities. We miss folks. We missed the indigenous community. We miss like groups of people. So it's just, we're just going to keep like, going forward and finding groups of people that have been underseen and underrepresented. And just, I think we just going to, I don't think it ends mm -hmm. ever ends. It never ends. Uh, I do think that we're going to continue to become more compassionate and empathetic and um, accepting over uh, continue to do that. when it comes to any of our identities, um, but it'll be a journey, but I, I, I don't think it ever ends. Do you feel like the 
the fluidity of gender is going to continue to expand and grow? And like, do you see that never ending as well in terms of kind oh, of? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I read somewhere, I don't know if this statistic, I can't quote it, but a full quarter of young people uh, expect to change their identity at least once in their lifetime, hmm. you know, which is incredible. So they, they are so fluid in their expression and their identity and in their sexual orientation over, over, over half of Gen Z identify as not strictly heterosexual. So, you know, I think that's probably where older gay men and women get really frustrated because we create this like, you know, Hey, we're finally, you know, we're finally here. We're finally, you know, uh, uh, a recognized group of people as being gay and lesbian. And this younger generation is like, yeah, big deal. You know, whatever, <laughs> like yeah, I'm pansexual or I'm gender non-binary and, and it's, it's, I, I find it. So it's just, they're, they're better versions of us. They're just continue to grow and evolve. And so, yes, it will continue to, you know, clothing and apparel and expression will continue to, you know, be more fluid. I think, um, uh, identity will continue to be more fluid. Sexual orientation will be continue to be more fluid. Race certainly will continue to dissolve around racial identity, you know, as people become multiple, you know, multiple races. Um, it'll just, we'll just, it'll continue to evolve that way. How, how do be exciting you, to watch. How do you view the value of kind of sticking to identity and using like, not using it, but identifying with a particular identity versus releasing it and it dissolving, as you just said. Yeah. I, I think it's just flat out lazy. You know, it's, it's, well, first of all, it's, it's easy to, to jump, to be a part of an identity. It makes it easy. Cause like I said, all the rules are in place, all the ways to act and be and, and things to say and things to believe in. It's all like set up for you, whether it's a religion or a, a race uh, sexual orientation. And I think that the fluidity is, um, is takes courage to courage to break away from this identity and to explore and be curious. And yeah, it's just, it takes, but it, but it takes intention and, and thought to do that. And I, I do think that parents begin to raise their kids more and more in a space of fluidity and how they name them and dress them. And so these, these kids are going to grow up with these ideals that are different than the way we grew up and we're, we're undoing them. I think that younger people are going to just be born into this idea of whatever you want to be, you know, if you want to play with a doll, if you want to kiss a girl, like whatever, whatever it is you want, kids are going to be able to um, grow up in a world that's much more accepting mm. and fluid. Are there ways that you encourage adults to, engage with their fluidity or, or kind of play a little bit more, be more open within themselves? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. In workshops, we play around with that. We actually, you know, we use this gender unicorn and show like where each person is in the spectrum, where they are on their gender identity, their gender expression, their sexual orientation and, and play around with it. And they can do it by themselves and see that they actually are, like fluid if they really stop and think about it um, without anybody else observing them or judging them, that, that we all are somewhere, that we're all fluid to some point and, and, and some extent. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. That's cool. It, yeah. It is cool. It is cool. I'll do the exercise sometime with you. It's a lot of fun. I'd love that. I also think like there's an app there, you know, like for, it feels like a daily practice. Like how am I, where am I today on the spectrum? Not, not to say that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, Maybe it's a color that you want to wear, or maybe it's just a way, you, you know, you want to show up, but yeah. Right. Cause some days we feel a little more feminine. Some days we feel more masculine some days. Um, and that's whether your, your sex assigned at birth is male or female, but we feel different, different days. Then that's, that's part of the, the beauty of it is you just get to be who you want to be, who not, who somebody dictates for you to be just being who you want to be. Mm -hmm. Are there resources that you would encourage people to explore to who are just starting to kind of take interest or, or wanting to learn more about how to show up as adults in a more fluid world? Um, are there books mm. or shows or individuals that we should follow? Obviously the fluid project <laughs> echoes without saying. Yeah. I, I think there's some folks to follow that I think are really interesting. I think rain dove is really a great person to follow. Uh, a 
Alok, A-L-O-K, Manon, yeah. is, uh, is really interesting. Uh, Jacob Tabaya is also very interesting and educational. Um, Blair Imani is uh, really educational. She, she, uh, it's, you know, you get smarties, smarties with uh, Blair, and she <laughs> does these really educational things about teaching, like in bite-sized uh, pieces. Those are some of the folks that I love to follow. And, and the other thing that, that I do too, that I think is really interesting is I tell, encourage people to follow hashtags. Uh, so like I follow, I hashtag transgender, trans, non-binary, like fluid. Nice. Um, if you throw those hashtags into your Instagram feed, you're going to start to like see things pop up and whatever it is that you want to learn about, just, I just throw a hashtag in and, and I get educated just through a, you know, 10 minute scroll and, and exposed to things I wouldn't be exposed to. Yeah, that's a really or, good. That's a really good point. I, I do that as well. Um, awesome. What hashtags are you using? Uh, my favorite hashtag is Black Joy, um, partially because nice. I have a friend who um, started that project, like the the Black Joy project, years ago, and it's now become, a, you know, a phenomenon, and, and people are sharing it. So it's just um, something that I follow, and and it brings a lot of joy to <laughs> my feed for sure. I love that. Well, I encourage people to also follow Fluid, P-H-L-U-I-D. Um, we didn't talk about that. Fluid is, Fluid, the, the space, the, the word Fluid is the ability to navigate between two spaces easily, uh, almost without resistance, like water. And pH represents balance, like the balance within us, you know, and the power of balance, and especially male and female balance. Mm. And project, because we're working on something to make it better, you know, so it gives me room to expand into new spaces because it's a project. Yeah, I think that's really cool to be calling it. A pro I've been calling love extremism a project lately. And yeah, it does. It opens it up. It doesn't feel so conflicted or constrained to just one avenue, one vertical. Um, you're doing so much. Right. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like other people are using the word concept a lot. I'm like, it's not a concept. Yeah. Like, I hate that word concept. It's, it's more than a concept. It's, it's, it's concept real. Concept is like, maybe, maybe, maybe it's real. Maybe not. I don't know. It's a concept. Well, so can you speak a bit to, to some of your products? I mean, obviously you have this, um, this fragrance that has been doing quite well. Um, can you, can you speak it, to I that? just saw the numbers today. It's like, it's, it's like doubling in sales each week. Uh, it's right now it's, it's the, it's the fluid fragrances and there's five of them and they're, um, oil and water-based and they kind of mix, like they look like two different colors almost. And uh, their biface formula. If you spray yourself, it's a uh, oil base. So it's actually, um, it, it moisturizes your skin and they're gender neutral, you know, and Sephora has picked them up and is carrying them online right now. Um, and ultimately hopefully we'll make it to the stores soon. And, uh, awesome. each of the values are named, uh, are, uh, each of the fragrances are named our values. So there's integrity, intention, balance, humanity, and transcend. And, Humanity is uh, nominated for most popular scent of the year by the Fragrance Foundation, which is kind of a big deal. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully it win. Yeah, that's a big kind deal. Cool. Against yeah, like big names like Tom Ford and you know Ariana Grande and stuff like that. So it's kind of exciting. That's really cool. That's really great. None of it means anything, but it feels good. Well, yeah, it's nice to be recognized and to to yeah. have, especially because Fluid is not yet a name brand in everyone's household it's becoming more so as you, as you show up next to those names. It's great. Sure. Sure. So I, I recognize we're at the 50 minute mark and I promised that there would be space for people to ask questions and participate. So if folks have questions or things that they'd like to bring into the space, I invite you to do so by raising your hand. Again, this is being recorded and it's not a space for promotion, but certainly welcome people to come up and bring a question or perhaps a comment. Um, <clears throat> something for Rob. And just to remind everyone, I am speaking to Rob Smith, the founder of The Fluid Project, who is doing incredible work in breaking the binary across retail um, in many different sectors, but also in education and getting into uh, corporate settings and corporate um, America and helping big, big companies rethink how they approach uh, gender and, and approaches to that. So Welcome questions, and we'll keep going as folks consider and raise their hands. Um, but I guess we know where to find you, and 
you're bringing a new show to Clubhouse. Can you speak a little bit more to kind of what the plan is for the ongoing space on Clubhouse and what you're hoping to build here? Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. it. It gives me a platform because Fluid itself is not Rob Smith. Fluid is, uh, is a brand, you know, and I don't throw myself into the brand. The brand exists. And, and But this gives me a chance to use my voice and have conversations. Uh, and actually, I like the fact that you don't see me, you know, that it's just <laughs> voices. And, and sometimes... I'll lead the conversation and sometimes I'll just be quiet and let it happen, you know, as folks, you know, discuss amongst themselves. But, you know, Fluid is, uh, you know, it's the intersection of fashion. So there'll be parts about fashion and expression. There'll be, we're part um, education. So there'll be parts about education and we're part activists. So that's part about, you know, activism. Like last week was how to be, how to move from armchair activism to uh, impact activism. Um, and this week is, you know, uh, we're talking, like I mentioned about, you know, transgender youth. So it's always going to be an interesting conversation under the fluid umbrella with lots of different spaces, uh, to, to enter and to discuss that are authentic to who we are. That's awesome. Can you, Thanks. can you speak to what the next kind of non-binary product is you see coming down the line in fashion or accessories? Is there... Or maybe it's fragrance. Like, what do you think is kind of the future of non-binary expression? Ah, uh, that's such a great question. I think, I mean, beauty, makeup will continue to be more accepted by uh, male-bodied people. Um, fragrance, certainly, it will be a bigger category. Uh, apparel, it's really interesting. It's so many people are, like, talking to me about this space and trying to figure out how to enter to the gender free uh, apparel space from baby through adult. Mm. And it's, and I can't reveal everything, but it's happening and it's going to happen in big, big retailers. Um, we're launching, I can announce this in with the gender neutral, uh, earth friendly, responsibly made collection at Nordstrom this fall. Nice. Uh, so it will be in Nordstrom and I'm working with them on their, the other policies around trans inclusive restrooms and, and fitting rooms and, and those types of things um, as we enter that space. But yeah, it's, it's like the first time I'm fully getting into this, like it's all upcycled dead stock fabric that we're creating into really cool apparel and accessories. Whoa. And then, um, which is so dope. Yeah, so it actually, it's just like everything. It's like, oh, it's gender free and it's all like, you know, really good for the planet. So I'm super stoked about that. The bags are from like tarps in Brazil that we used to cover trucks and taking that tarp and then putting and making them to handbags and backpacks. Whoa. Um, it's a lot of fun. That's so and, cool. Um, upcycled. You're, that's my favorite word in fashion. <laughs> it's, it's the best. And repurposed, upcycled. Yeah, it's so exciting. And um, I'm working right now on a bill in California. I, I was reaching, this is something I'm really excited about. An eight-year-old uh, went to go, studying dinosaurs, went to go find a dinosaur t-shirt in the department store couldn't find it in the girls section she says i bet mom it's in the boys section sure enough there are three dinosaur shirts in the boys section and so she decided to write a bill that you know like called for you know kind of eliminating boys and girls sections and kids and so she asked so they needed a, a co-author and a co-sponsor and she says i think you should call the person from the fluid project so <laughs> the mom called me and, and it's so cool so this eight-year-old and i like co-wrote this bill together uh, she is so um, inspiring and we've presented now, we've passed it through two different committees and it's on its way to its third committee. And if this bill passes, every retailer with 500 more employees in the state of California will have to have a designated gender neutral section in toys and in apparel. Oh, that's which so is cool. Pretty right. And it took an eight year old to make it happen. Of course it did. So, yeah. Yeah. Of course it did. That's awesome. So wow. I'm super stoked. That kind of stuff gets me so excited, you know, just, just making change, making impact. And then this little kid called in and, and he, you know, they were like, unicorns are what I love. I love unicorns. I don't think I should have to like go to a boys or girls section to buy them. I just think I should be able to go to the kids department and buy unicorns. <laughs> I was like, yep. right on, right on. <laughs> this is a problem. Stop Let's fix like, it. Yeah. Yeah. Stop this artificial boundary of, you know, who can buy what and is allowed to wear what. 
let's stop dictating what, you know, young people can do and just know that, you know, if we don't dictate what kids can wear or play with, they'll be a much uh, better, well-adjusted, you know, young person and adult yeah. and be able to have, you know, deeper emotions if you're male or, you know, be more, you know, aggressive or, or, uh, um, adventurous if you're female, whatever it is, the things that we don't allow boys and girls to do. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's exciting to see that evolving and changing. What is something you want to leave us with? What is a, a goal or a task or an action that we can be taking to be more fluid or support the fluid project, um, in our lives and in the world? Uh, I'm going to answer that question, but first of all, I just want to say, I appreciate you, Ethan, so much. And I was thinking about the word love the other day and, 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 and setting it, settling in the word love. And I thought how wonderful to have that word. And you're the first person I thought of huh. and to have that word associated with you and, and you embody love and, and grace. Um, to answer your question, uh, I would just say, start going through the world and start looking at it through a binary set of eyes and start going through, go to the bathroom, go shopping, go, you know, click to buy something, whatever you do, start to look at how binary the world is. And once you start observing it, like think about like what that, and, and think about what that means to every one of us where you have to, you make this binary decision every time you make a decision and uh, how, how destructive it is and how limiting it is. And then start to like look inside and see, how you can deconstruct binary identities within yourself um, and be curious and playful and and discover what you might discover. Maybe it's like trying a different like place in the Pornhub, <laughs> you know, or to try, uh, try something <laughs> different that's like a little like, hmm, I'm going to go into this place I've never been before. But I think it's really fun to be playful and curious and and uh, and explore who who we maybe really are, who we've held back for, for too long. Mm. And it's never too late to learn. That curiosity, oof, what a great key to more love. Shauna, I wanna um, invite you to ask a question before we, we wrap up. Hi everyone, um, I caught the back end of this, but thank you for holding this conversation. I think it's you know ever more important. I just kind of wanted to make a comment per se. Um, I've noticed that like the Gen Zers and um, I guess this I, uh, males uh, are kind of going into the nail market and painting their nails. Um, and I totally fully support and appreciate this. Um, and I kind of feel with the whole gender neutral thing, kind of when your friends are playing around, whoever they are, just be neutral about it. Be cool about it. You know, I had a friend who he painted his nail like once two years ago and uh, th there was all sort of reactions and, you know, and he never did it again. And uh, just um, recently he painted all of his nails, a beautiful bright blue. And I was so supportive and I'm so happy that, but it took two years to like go back to it. Wow. So, you know, kind of gen like being neutral or supportive, or if you don't know, just like, just be chill about it, you know? So that's all I had to say. Thank you so much. I love it. Thank you so much. And I just want to say one thing about uh, a boy painting his nails has nothing to do with his sexual orientation, nothing to do with his gender identity. It just happens to be a way of expressing yourself. And like, you know, pink was taboo like a while ago for a boy to wear. And now it's like perfectly normalized, but, but it's just funny how it, people jump to conclusions and make assumptions just because of the way someone expresses themselves. We should all be able to wear whatever we want that makes us feel good and without any uh, any harassment or retribution. I'm into that. Point. I'm into that. Yeah, I, I, I think about how just like these nails provide another surface for expression and it, like just like in our skin or our hair or our heads, right? And there's just so many spaces for us to express ourselves. It's also interesting to think about the bubbles that kind of define us. And I remember living in Australia on the beach and all the dudes were wearing pink. And it was just like, 
it's a hype. There's a definitely a hyper masculinity in the surf culture and the beach culture in Australia, but there's also this kind of embrace of different types of expression. And I think it's fascinating how, as soon as we kind of maybe move out of a particular bubble we may be in, just the the cultural what's what's culturally normal changes dramatically, and it takes a first mover to to kind of shift those norms and to to. Yeah. And also support, like you said, Shauna, having having community rally behind you and just accept you and not not judge you or put you down, but just affirm who you are and, and, and elevate and celebrate. So celebrate it. Celebrate it. That's it. Yeah. Love your nails. Love those nails. You. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Rob, this has been such a great conversation. Uh, I am so inspired by you and your work and Fluid Project and just grateful to know you and be learning more and more from you all the time so thank you for sharing this with us and really um everyone please follow rob and just continue this conversation we we all need to be speaking about how the natural nature of fluidity that shows up all around us and within us too so with that, I bid you all adieu, Rob. You are love and respect, Ethan. Yes. Love and respect, my friend. You're a legend, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Take care, everyone. All right. Be well. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Love Extremist Radio. If you like this podcast, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. If you want to learn more about being a love extremist, check out www.extremist.love and follow Love Extremist on Instagram and Facebook. Find me also on Instagram at Ethan Lipsitz. Hope to hear from you soon. Peace. Love is the truth. Love is the truth. Love is the truth. Love is the truth.